0: Hey there, listeners! We have some cool news to deliver. We have over six thousand downloads of this podcast, over a thousand of which have been in the last month alone, which is drastically more than we've had in the past. That makes this next part very funny. We have just two reviews, so this is just a reminder. I'm trying to give you free National Land Realty swag. Submit a review of this podcast to Apple Podcasts or at nationalland.podbean.com, which is our podcast homepage. And remember, good, bad, or in between, we'll be reading these reviews on the next podcast and picking our favorites as we move along. But hopefully that's more than two. And we have one to read from Sheepdog Fishing uh, about our episode on the importance of relationships with Micah Erling. Excellent interview. Micah is very personable and a solid individual from Sheepdog Fishing. Thank you for your review. Now, the rest of you, get it in gear. Throw some reviews down. We'll be drawing our favorite reviews in March of 2023 and give you free things. Everybody likes free things, so get those reviews in. Welcome to episode number 32 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. In this episode, I'm talking with estate planning specialist Justin Plummer from the law offices of Cheryl and David in Greensboro, North Carolina. Justin has multiple degrees in pre-law and psychology from Appalachian State University, as well as a Juris Doctorate from the Appalachian School of Law in Virginia. Justin started his career in real estate law and now works exclusively with estate planning, which of course encompasses real estate, as you will hear. Land is something that we don't just own. It becomes part of your soul. Justin has dedicated his life to making sure that his clients are able to hand down the things that they love to the people that they love. And that includes their land. Now sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here with Justin Plummer out of Greensboro, North Carolina. He is an estate planning specialist. And just so the listeners know, I have gotten his intro wrong like three times in a row now because I thought he was in another place. And uh, he's been a great sport with me to to hit you through this. But uh, Justin, just tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are, um, what got you interested in estate planning and sort of what you do now in your practice. Absolutely, Matt. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Yeah, I have lived all over North Carolina and a little bit in Virginia,
1: so uh, it's hard for me to keep it straight where I am. So no worries on that end. Yeah, I actually uh, attended Appalachian State University many years ago, seemingly, as I look in the mirror every day, more further and further away, Um, and then went to the Appalachian School of Law after taking a year off uh, and kind of clerking for a local firm in uh, Concord, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area. Um, Went up to uh, Virginia, small school in Virginia, where uh, basically uh, there's not a whole lot to do except for study and fly fish, which was really good for my end. Um, after that, um, took the bar exam in North Carolina. I got licensed there. I'm now licensed in North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, I don't use my license in Virginia as much, but, um, kind of, uh, right after I got out of law school, uh, worked in the real estate, uh, foreclosure, uh, sector, and then kind of, uh, went to the residential commercial real estate market in Charlotte with another firm and then kind of started doing a little bit more estate planning. And then, Kind of flip-flop that and, and wanted to transition to doing estate planning uh, full-time. So I uh, always tell people, uh, as I told Mac earlier, I'm a recovering dirt attorney for everybody listening out there. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, one of those things I made a choice on a couple of years ago. But in my field of estate planning, it's uh, you don't get too far away from it because you have to deal with it every day. So still doing title searches a good bit and still doing, um, you know, dealing with uh, planning for, say, family farms or, you know, inherited land or, um, you know, just different uh, commercial properties, what have you, apartment complexes, whatever, As, as people pass away, obviously those things have to go somewhere. So we have to plan for those things. But uh yeah I, I actually got into the field uh, it's kind of a solemn uh, uh you know a, a solemn story but um I think it still rings true I tell the story quite a bit so it's not as hurtful as it used to be but right after law school unfortunately my father passed away quite suddenly and uh being the only child in the family and kind of being the only smart kid uh I like to think of myself that way uh as an only child uh but I had to handle his estate Um, and, uh, just saw kind of, even with the law degree at that point in time, not really practicing yet how hard and difficult that was. Um, and just, um, to kind of what we'll talk about today. And I guess what maybe some of your listeners are really interested in is that, um, we actually had some investment land that, um, we had to deal with. Um, we had, um, had some, um, land in and around the greater Charlotte area that we'd had under contract in 2007, 2008. And then I think something happened in the world where the funding and everything uh, kind of fell through, uh, something with the e- economic factors back then. I can't really remember. Kind of There's some kind of event there that happened, but anyways, uh, we've still been trying to develop that land and, and, uh, obviously that, that contract fell through, but throughout that process, after my dad passed away, um, we were still trying to sell it. So I had to, we had to go through a full probate proceeding and kind of go through the, the rigmarole of of all of that, um, to handle it. So I always tell people when these types of things happen, or if somebody's trying to sell property through an estate or after a loved one's passed away, I've, I've been through that. And it's uh, obviously on top of a grieving time period or whatever else, it's just, you know, kind of added insult to injury. So, um, it's important to try to, you know, Plan for things as much as you can. Obviously, my 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 joke and many jokes from estate planning, if you want to call it a joke, is that if we had a crystal ball, our lives would be a lot easier. But unfortunately, we don't know how the cookies are going to crumble most of the time in the estate planning world. But no, that's really how I got into the estate planning world, and you know, our my specialty at our office is really kind of after putting a plan together is helping families kind of take it apart, and so that's uh, I get to see both sides of it, and that really helps me kind of. Uh, try to find the best fit for people and what they're looking for. Trying to plan for the future. So,
0: yeah, and that's that's a pretty it's it's always powerful when you've been through it yourself. You know, knowing exactly what the experience is because a lot of people are just explaining it, and you know, a lot of people like like yourself that end up in a, in a situation where where you're working with it. You know, a lot of like you said, it was pr- pretty early on to where you know that stuff happens, and and maybe things aren't set up to where a couple of years down the road, you might've been able to set those up, but so now you've, but you've been through it now. So.
1: Yeah. And I really, you know, being living that and seeing my parents live through that is one of those things where, you know, you wish you could have kind of uh, hindsight's 2020 and going back and done some things better. But I try to take that in my back pocket and kind of um, keep those stories to tell them to people that, you know, um, uh, I can't remember the quote offhand, but it's the Ben Franklin quote about the, the ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure um, mentality. Uh, it's, uh, maybe that was Shakespeare. Um, anyways, uh, you know, uh, but that, but that I try to take that and, you know, it's a little bit of planning up front will go a long way in the end, but, you know, I think, um, it's something I see quite often when people pass away is maybe you're under contract already with an agent, or maybe you're already uh, mom or dad or whoever it was, were already trying to develop land, or maybe they had no idea that say Amazon, uh, was going to move down the street and, you know, all of a sudden your, your property is worth a lot more than it used to be. Right. Um, and changing times, especially, um, you know, especially here in the Southeast and and mid Atlantic, it's, um, we have a lot more people influx of people coming in, uh, from other States and moving here for either retirement or tax purposes or stuff of that nature. So, um, you, you see a changing dynamic with that development locally and just, I guess, regionally and really, across the United States. I'm sure you guys see that quite a bit, just all over the place, just
0: depending on what pocket you're in. Correct, yeah. And it's, it, it's. I think just the conversation of estate planning and, you know, focused around land is great, but just estate planning in general too is, is just so useful for people. Like I've been through a very similar situation to your own, um, but in in my particular situation was contested wills at the time, because uh, the will can be contested by other parts of the family. Um, and I was a minor at the time standing to inherit my dad's things and got it contested. Uh, and so like those things happen, um, in, in, you know, it's, it, even though you think you have a setup, you might not. So there's right, different but, little things in there that, that, um, I I'm absolutely stoked to get into. Um, so I wanted to take you back to a kind of a one-on-one level and, yeah. and. Walk us through sort of what probate is because we're talking about a situation where there's not a will, there's not anything else, and basically the state steps in to manage what you inherit. So, like, you've lost a loved one, and now you're paying the state to figure it out, is essentially what happens, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'll say this because, you know, being an attorney, I always have to give my advisories. So, you know, wherever you're listening, you know, I'm licensed in Virginia, North Carolina. So every state's a little bit different, but I feel like a lot of states have pretty much a similar pathway or a similar generic kind of sense of everything. So what I'd say is this, um, you know, uh, from the forest for the trees approach, when somebody passes away, what really is going to control what happens is how things are titled. Right. So when we're talking about assets, we're talking about things like anything from, say, your your couch, TVs to uh, vehicles, land, uh, houses, uh, bank accounts, investments, those types of things. And really how those things are titled, whether or not they have, say, beneficiary designations on them or, say, joint owners, maybe between spouses. However, those things are titled. Well, it really depends on, well, is this going to be going through court? Is this going to stay out of court or what's the next step there? And, you know, I hate to hear your story about that with contested stuff. But obviously, you know, when you have minor children or, you know, other people that are inheriting that are, say, maybe um, special needs or stuff like that, you always take into consideration this yeah, we have to transfer those assets, but who they're being transferred to is just as important. And how, you know, obviously, if you're a minor, you can't own things until you're at least 18, right? And even then, maybe that's not a good idea to own them at that point in time. I always tell people, even though you're 18, doesn't even if you have a good head on your shoulders, doesn't mean that you're not going to have friends who will help you spend those things, right? Um, But, you know, kind of, again, the forest for the trees mentality is, you know, whether you have a will or you don't have a will, most of the time, if you don't have a will or a trust or, you know, any kind of estate planning documents, I tell people just from a general point of view, I always tell my clients, those are the times for you to actually have a voice for what you want to have happen, right? Because as you might imagine, if you don't have an estate planning document, have no fear, your state probably has a plan for you. And that might not be the best plan, right? Um, I always tell people like in North Carolina, for instance, I had a, a a client a couple years ago who unfortunately passed away quite young. Uh, he was in his early forties, had just gotten married, uh, had some property that he owned uh, before he got married and had to tell his um, spouse uh, that uh, unfortunately with the way they had things set up and him not having a will or trust or anything of that nature, that she just became a co-owner of that house with her mother-in-law. So you can imagine those things uh, are probably not the easiest things to do. As you said, in your situation, I know it wasn't to the point, but I've had people that pass away, and all of a sudden you have minors who are involved. And obviously, if there's real estate involved, maybe that real estate need, then needs to be sold to generate money for the well being of that child, you know, for school, health, maintenance, stuff of that nature. So it really matters. And again, I always, uh, you know, it, I can't get people usually to plan before they're of age 50 or 60, because I feel like everybody feels like they're Superman or Superwoman, Right. Um, but unfortunately we, there's all, there's always going to be that one night that comes for us no matter what. Right. So it's important to have a plan because that's your chance to speak up and uh, have the action items you want to have happen. So taking that forward, when you have a will or if you don't most of the time I tell people, if you have a will, that's great. That gives people you know, uh, who's in charge and who's going to be getting what, um, those are two of the biggest things, obviously that get litigated or, you know, that are important, but, you know, it's still going to be at the mercy of the court. Now, certain States have different kind of levels of, you know, uh, if there's values over this amount, then it's a, a longer probate proceeding or a more involved, but, you know, generically speaking, the, the probate proceeding, uh, is not the most fun thing in the world. And, uh, Times we're doing planning to try to get around that for as much as we can. Uh, just because it, it's much like doing uh, going to see a CPA or something for your taxes every year, there's a better way to do it. And there's you know different uh, tax breaks and stuff like that you can get. So if there's a way to get around probate, we obviously want to do that because probate is really the transference of the assets through the court and the court makes sure that those things are done. Um, Hopefully some of your listeners are sports uh, individuals. I certainly am a huge sports nut. So I always try to explain things in terms of sports. So oftentimes I tell people your will is your game plan, right? Whoever you have picked out as your executor or, or personal representative, whoever's going to step in your shoes when you pass away to kind of handle your final business, whether that be paying your last debts, filing your taxes, you know, uh, making sure that bank accounts are closed, what have you, getting everything to that next generation. You need to have that in place, right? They're going to be your coach. They're going to implement your game plan. But when you have to go through the probate proceeding, the court is going to act as your referee. And unfortunately, sometimes that's a really expensive referee uh, to make sure that those things are done. Uh, trust me, I, I'm not here to knock the court. I think they do a great job with, you know, making sure that people aren't saying, uh, having their, their hands in the cookie jar themselves or making sure that nobody's, you know, uh, embezzling things or trying to uh, hide things from certain beneficiaries and stuff. But it is an expensive and kind of arduous task because, you know, for instance, you know, most times in North Carolina, at least, a probate proceeding takes about a year to a year and a half. Certainly at the heights of COVID and stuff, we with, with, you know, uh, long wait times in different institutions, courts and stuff. We were seeing almost up to two years. I mean, it's, you couldn't get anything. Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't realize it would last that long. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it depends on kind of what you have and what, what it looks like for you. You know, oftentimes it's not something that's involved every day, but you know, for instance, when you open up an estate proceeding, um, you're going to have to basically figure out, is that person going to be bonded? Right. So there's a cost there for the insurance company. There's, you know, North Carolina, it's $120 to file you know, to even open the estate up. Um, in North Carolina, you have $4 on every thousand that goes through court. That's, that's assessed as a probate fee. Um, you have, uh, a notice of creditors, uh, that's a, uh, column in the newspaper that basically alerts the world that this person's passed away. And if you have any debts that they need to pay, um, that's certainly, you know, a cost there. Uh, people always, uh, tell me, you know, why is it so much? I'm like, well, that's how national newspapers and local newspapers are kind of staying in business a lot of times, is legal notices now. Uh, But, you know, uh, it's not a... uh, You know, huge out-of-pocket expense, but you can kind of see the snowball effect of well, it's a little bit here, it's a little bit there, and yeah, this is is even without having an attorney kind of help you through the process. Uh, You know, fortunately or unfortunately, it is one of those areas, at least in North Carolina, that you don't absolutely need an attorney, but I would tell you practically you absolutely do, just because a lot of times, as you can tell, there's a lot of work on top of your if you're still working or life events or anything else, and again, it's on top of a grieving time period, so. After all that's kind of done, um, one of the things that's probably, you know, if you're uh, interested in in the land aspect of it is that, you know, people inherit um, things at the value of the person who has passed away as of that date that they passed away, which is very important for tax purposes. Um, it's something called a, a step up in call spaces. Um, what that means is that if the house is worth $100,000 when your mother or father passed away, that's what you'll be inheriting at you go to sell it later, that'll be what your capital gains are assessed of. Um, So it's good in the sense that if your grandmother or grandfather had a house or something or a farm or something they bought in 1900, well, it's probably going to be worth a lot more today, right? Uh, Especially if you're looking at it for development purposes or anything else down the road. But once that everything is valued, obviously, you have to pay any final debts of a person who's passed away. And then finally, you get to the final tax returns or anything of those uh, items that need to be uh, paid, and transferring finally all the uh, assets over to whoever uh, the person has left them to, whether it be children or loved ones, neighbors, whoever, charity. And then uh, you're basically done once the court kind of stamps your accountings. But that's just a very generic way to tell you that you know obviously that's a that's something you want to avoid if you can all if you can possibly do that. So.
0: I was gonna say, you know, it's. Uh, I, I want to associate it with sort of like a, a small town mindset, but um, I, I, I grew up in a very very small town in the northwest, and just myself, anybody I grew up around, like the the reaction you kind of go through with in in life is like, I want to keep the state out of my stuff as much as possible, or or any kind of agency stuff, but I. I was going to say it was a small town mindset just because, you know, it's it's very strong in those areas, but I don't think that it is because I think everybody wants to keep, you know, any, any legislative body or any legal body out of making a decision for them on how they hand things down. So I guess, you know, one of the, one of the best questions I can ask you is if you've got land in your family and that's, and it, you know, that's what, that's what we work with and, and that's sort of the topic at hand. but how do you do that? Like, what's, what's your, what's your pathways to do that? Cause there's, there's a few different pathways, right? You can go wills yeah. you can go trusts. You can go, you know, those kind of things. And what do you do? What do you do to protect what you've left behind for your loved ones?
1: Well, and that's a great question. Um, what I'd say is this is wherever you're listening at, I highly recommend your first stop is probably without me telling you, I know it's going to be the internet. Be wary. <laughs> um, you know, um, I always tell people, one of my favorite uh, buddies who shall rena- <laughs> remain nameless in town always has a coffee cup that says, please don't uh, confuse uh, my law degree with your Google search. Um, I uh, I always tell people, uh, you know you only get half the story for a lot of things as you might imagine on the internet. And I, I won't regale you with hours of stories I have by people who have tried to do their own documents and stuff of that nature. Certainly that's an option for you, but that's hazards waiting to happen. Um, what I would say is this, uh, Uh, Depending on, again, what state you're in, your next stop after you do your own research is probably talk to somebody who does specifically estate planning in your area. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people in the world do a lot of different things, especially uh, local to North Carolina and kind of giving some props to, uh, you know, uh, Mayberry, if you will. You know, everybody kind of has that mindset of the old country or county attorney that kind of does a little bit of everything, right? They do mom or dad's will. They also did your real estate closing. They do your traffic tickets, what have you. Um, it, it's a dangerous world doing, you know, being a general practitioner. So uh, nothing, you know, no nothing gets anybody who does that, but it, this is an area that you want to get some. That does strictly this because they will be able to tell you better ways um, than probably somebody uh, that just does it generally. Um, you know, to your state as well, uh, for instance, in Virginia, there's different types of deeds I can do in Virginia than are allowed in North Carolina. We can structure them in different ways uh, just depending on what people's goals are. But for instance, in Virginia, you can do something called a transfer on death beneficiary deed, right? So That a lot of times can get around the probate process there. In North Carolina, for instance, we don't have that option. Uh, So it just goes to show you that, you know, just a step over the state line really matters with how you can function things. Um, I'm not licensed in South Carolina, but a lot of my friends are, as you might imagine, living this close. And, for instance, in South Carolina, just with the way a lot of their laws are set up, is that especially if you're a married couple, you have to ensure that your deed is uh, either joint with rights of survivorship or, say, uh, something called tenancy by the entirety, which means you're married, right, which is one of those things I don't believe they honor in north or in south carolina as far as a designation for their deeds so it just goes to show you that you know it really matters where you are at and where the land is located going back to probate for one second and you this is important for probably a lot of your listeners they don't realize this is that if you have timeshares in other states if you have a vacation home in another state or even inherited land in another state um it's important for you to take a look at that when you're doing your estate planning because that could cause you an additional probate in every state that you have those items in, okay.
0: so yeah, because it's a state by state basis, you're yes, for your state to figure it out, but if there's inheritance in another state, okay. Yeah that yeah, so, well it's
1: one of those things we don't like to think about it too and I pray right. every time I talk to somebody that that's not an issue I kind of uh, hesitantly ask that question sometimes but uh, for instance I, I talked to a gentleman this week that we got retained for that we're having to do uh, something in uh, you know locally here in North Carolina uh, he's been in California uh, his mother passed away there but she had a retirement home here in North Carolina and we're now we're he's already had to do a probate proceeding in California now we're gonna have to do one here and I heard mention possibly of a timeshare interest in South Carolina. We might be having to take care of, say, in the Myrtle Beach area. So there's another two probate proceedings there. If you could start hearing the cha-ching, it's the, you're, you're correct. But, you know, so I tell people it never fails around here. Somebody will have uh, locally, they may have a a house in the North Carolina mountains. Maybe it's a vacation home, or maybe just across the state line in Virginia at Smith mountain Lake, or heck even at the beach or somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's not that crazy of an occurrence for me to see two or three estates at once, which is, it's just, it's a lot of time, effort and frustration that doesn't need to be there. So what I would say for a lot of people, when I talk to people about, if you have land interest in different states, certainly look at doing something called a revocable living trust. So let me pause there. And everybody thinks when I use the word trust, that trusts are kind of meant for multimillionaires or, you know, Hollywood and, or, you know, just people who have just come from generational wealth. And I always kind of uh, negate that by saying, well, I think a lot of people think that because either their parents didn't talk to them about estate planning or maybe they just didn't know, I, especially in the Southeast. I find that people have estate planning documents just about as much as their parents or grandparents did, which often means they didn't. Right. And um, What I mean by that is that, you know, it's never fails where somebody will be handling, I'll be handling an estate matter now. And, you know, we're looking back through title and this is grandma or grandpa's farm or great grandma or grandpa's farm. And now we're having to go back through like three generations of title searches and making sure that, you know, this is done legally for title insurance and and that sort of thing. So, um it's one of those things that it's easier to fix now (laughs) than it is to kick the can down the curb is one of my favorite sayings, because it's just real easy to do. Um, but having a trust is, is like this, you know, there are many different types of trusts out there. So for, you know, just, again, general purposes, a revocable living trust is much like a shell of yourself, right? It's just mainly for estate planning purposes to get around the court process at the end of life and to basically transfer title a lot of times to to whoever your beneficiaries are going to be. So I think of a trust is like a will kind of in a contract form, right? It's something that you know, if you've ever had your house painted or bought a car or uh, heck you know uh, click the little icon for your windows or Microsoft or whatever it, everybody's seen a contract. but the idea is that by doing the will in a contract form you're you're kind of having those same terms and conditions, if you will uh, dictated. but I think of the trust almost as like a bucket or a box or a piece of luggage, a backpack. Uh, uh, briefcase in the sense that by transferring your titles to say your real estate, your cash accounts, what have you, uh, life insurance designations, basically you can pretty much anything that has title can be put into the trust name. And by doing that now during your lifetime, you're, you're basically in essence, fast forwarding through the probate process at the end of your life. So a lot of times that is the, you know, uh, one of the main ways that I, uh, tend to transfer assets that get around the court process and can help, you know, get around the probate costs and, 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 uh, you know, frustrations of that. Um, but those vary state to state. What I would say is that, um, you know, when you, if you're looking at trust or talking to different attorneys about trust or what have you, just make sure you know what kind you're getting, because again, there are you know, uh, seemingly hundreds out there, but, most of the time, when somebody talks about a trust as far as estate planning purposes, they're going to be talking about a revocable one, which means you get that term from, "Hey, you can change this terms, conditions, so you can change it, revoke it while you're alive, right Only time you can't when you're no longer here so um but oftentimes I find that you know for people that have estates that you know it, especially locally here in North Carolina, I'm sure it's nationwide. I mean, just uh, property values are growing and growing. Uh, that's one of people's larger assets, you know, for a lot of times. And certainly, uh, you, you meet more people that are more land rich than others, especially. So, uh, I often tell people the more land you have, or maybe in different States that you have it in, it's going to be more advantageous for you to look at doing that. Um, those are really the, the vehicles that I see to do it. You certainly can, uh, if you have families that have businesses or uh, business structures like LLCs or corporations or family uh, partnerships or whatever, you can certainly have land that's held in those. Those are usually for a little bit more complicated situations that I see. Uh, but the idea is, in essence, is that we always want to get you around probate some way or another. It just depends on kind of your goal when you're setting it up, if that makes sense
0: yeah. and so, if I'm hearing you right, you know one, there's the situation of no will. and yeah. you know, and and if it's if it's no will, no beneficiaries, it's into state right? Where that yep. you know, the state takes state takes possession. If there's no will and you have you know beneficiaries, then they go into probate. If you have a will that will usually guide probate a little easier, and make things happen a little easier, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have avoided the process and it can oh, yeah. be contested. And then trust is locking everything down for the most part, depending on what state you're in, right? Because we always have yeah. to say that because different states act different ways, but, but a trust for the most part is a legally binding contract. This is the way things are gonna go. People can still contest trust and stuff like that, but it's just harder to do. Correct. Then, but then there's other parts that you were talking through like different types of deeds can offer different protections. And that's where you want to talk to your local, you know, estate planning, you know, specialists like yourself to where, you know, sort of the ins and outs of like, well, you could just do this with this kind of deed or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, Along with that is, is, are there other things to pay attention to? Like, you know, what, what other things should somebody consider if they have sort of like a large (laughs) chunk of land? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you
1: know, especially, you know, kind of coming uh, my law partner, uh, Blair, does uh, a lot of what we call our elder care uh, aspects of law. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I tell people I know enough about it to issue spot. But, you know, uh, most of the time I'll, I'll I'll recommend that or we'll transfer that file to them. Uh, but the idea is this <clears throat> elder care law for a lot of people that don't know is just kind of a subsection of estate planning, right? It's um, more, um, we're more concerned when you get to a level of say, needing nursing home care, end of life care, those types of things, um, and at least in North Carolina, I kind of call it the wild, wild west of the law, because we're always concerned about, uh, you know, forecasting what changes in the law may come. So we're kind of always looking, well, here's what we have now legally that we can do, but let's look to the future, this may change, this law may get more stringent. They may, you know, uh, you know, allow this a little bit more leeway on this end, but certainly a lot of times, especially near and dear to a lot of land issues is that, you know, if you go into nursing home care and at least in North Carolina, if you don't have the assets to pay for end of life care, say, you know, uh, skilled care, nursing home care, um, and you're married, well, you know, it, the house is not going to be sold the state's not going to take it out from under you while you're alive they're certainly going to allow you know you to have a place to stay but the idea is that if the state has extended benefits on your behalf you know to pay for your nursing home care stuff of that nature they're going to Politely, be asking for some of that reimbursement back. Certainly, if you have the means uh, by way of land or real estate later.
0: Um, and this it's is a, the, uh, you know, this is the Medicaid yes, situation that yes, I always yes. hear about. And I was I wanted to ask you specifically about this. I'm really glad you you started started in on yeah, this. So this is absolutely. where this is where basically, if you end up in hospice or you end up on under the care of Medicaid while you're going through end of life care, the money's got to come from somewhere, and right. you have a property sitting around it. Can, Property might still go to the beneficiaries, but someone's got to get paid for all that care that happened, right? That's right. That's right. And, yeah.
1: And, and so I think I think one of the major concerns I would say is, you know, in addition to your wills, trust, what have you, you know, at least in North Carolina, your power of attorney in, during your lifetime is just as important. Um, the way I always explain it to our clients and, and when I'm doing speaking engagements and stuff of that nature is that I want to have as many tools uh, from an estate planning point of view in my tool belt as I can. Right. Um, because, uh, unfortunately, uh, we've seen a lot more issues of say early onset dementia, or maybe just uh, people having more issues of mental competency and stuff of that nature earlier in life. Right. And so I often tell people it's important if you even already have a power of attorney to make sure you're looking at, um, what we call the gifting section of your power of attorney, uh, and some, you know, some states that might be as, as small as one sentence, uh, others, it might be as long as a page, but, you know, for us as estate planners and, and elder, uh, care planners, it's really, uh, if we have to do something while somebody's alive, but maybe incapacitated where they can't make legal decisions anymore, that power of attorney is really the only guidebook we have. And sometimes, Um, that guidebook, if it's not written the correct way or if it doesn't have certain powers in it, we're kind of hamstrung to, well, here's what we have and we can't really work with it. So one of the things we do, at least at our office, is that we make sure that we have what we call an enhanced power of attorney so that if mom or dad does go to nursing home care, we can work with that son or daughter or whoever it is to safeguard the, that real estate, uh, maybe doing something called a ladybird deed, doing something like a one percent deed, or doing something in order to, you know, still legally protecting that uh, the land, uh, you know, uh, residents, whatever it is, uh, from those uh, costs of end of life care. And so by virtue of that, it's, you have to protect it the right way. I often tell people I'm in a local grocery store or church or rotary or whatever I am. And I hear people telling stories of, oh, well, you know, if your mom or dad's got to get on, you know, Medicaid, you can just do this, this or this. And I cringe because, you know, I'm just like, oh, that's not right. Oh, 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 that's terrible. And, you know, um, but you know, you can't just uh, artificially impoverish yourself is kind of the terms that a lot of people use. But there is a correct way. And I feel so bad because a lot of people don't realize that you can do these types of things. And it never fails. At least once a year, we get somebody who's come in and say, Hey, we just sold mom or dad's, you know, farm that's been in our family for 200 years. What do we do with all this money? I'm like, well, it would have been a lot easier to protect that if it was land instead of you selling it. So now we have a different issue. Uh, and it's one of those things, obviously you can't, uh, you can't go back in time on those things. So at least in North Carolina, we, uh, the way I always tell people is we have, uh, our legislature really values real estate and most States do. Right. So I'm sure there's some ways, uh, to affect that. Uh, no matter what state you're in, again, I would just encourage you to, if, you're, if that's something that interests you or if maybe mom or dad's getting up there in years, talk to an estate planner, but also maybe ensure that they also are, are familiar with elder care and that types of uh, issues of that nature. Because it's really terrible to see, you know, families have to sell the family farm or the family land or the house that's going to be, you know, the family vacation home for you know the next century just for that purpose. It's just it's really sad to me. So.
0: And to walk through so you you use the term artificially impoverished for for someone listening that doesn't know what that means because i right. I, feel like, I feel like this is part of the bad advice that comes out right so yeah walk in-
1: for, yeah for, for instance uh you know I always told people uh i could regale you with terrible stories or, or horror stories all the time of things like this you know uh sometimes people say oh well i can just put my son or daughter on my bank account as a joint owner and it's not really my asset anymore right or maybe I'll just give everything to them or I'll give everything to my neighbor or cousin or whoever it is, and my name won't be on it anymore, right? Well, unfortunately, (laughs) when you go to apply for Medicaid, they're going to be asking you for at least five years of statements of finances and your assets, right? And if you're being truthful, and and I've got some other stories I won't regale you with about that. uh, If you don't tell them correctly, that's Medicaid fraud. But if you, you, you know, you can't just say, Hey, I don't have anything in my name anymore, right? Uh, no, they're going to see that you gave it or you've given your children that or you've given something or that's you've transferred that deed in the wrong way or you've done something and they're not going to allow you to be on those benefits until at least the amount that you've given away has been, you know, either paid down or used for your your um care. And so that's kind of what that means is that you can't just artificially become, you know, destitute, you know, you can't have nothing in your name or no money or anything. Um, there are certain ways that certainly the end result would look like that legally, but you know, you have to go legally, uh, by the wayside to do that. Um, for instance, um, same thing with deeds. I've seen, uh, horrible situations sometimes where, um, maybe a a father will pass away and then mother puts, um, her two, uh, sons or whatever on two deeds to her, uh, property. And maybe they have a falling out later. Right. Um, I had a horrible situation many years ago where, uh, somebody, uh, put their son on their deed and after their, uh, after her husband had passed away and, uh, they stopped getting along. And lo and behold, son moved his girlfriend in, right now she can't you know she's uh can't live there anymore so she ended up living in an apartment across town and now she's you know can't has no really redress against that uh because he's a joint owner and so i always tell people for different reasons you may not want to do that uh you know i've uh, seen people clear out their parents bank accounts it's so it's always a game of you know what 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 your family dynamic is like and what that looks like for you going in the future. But a lot of times I tell people it's important to have those, and I think of estate planning documents like permission slips, right? It's what permission slip, kind of what hat are you wearing? What hat do we need to wear? Is it a healthcare power of attorney? Is it a financial power of attorney? Um, But those documents, I wanna make sure that people have, just in case, like insurance. You never hope you have to use it, but it's there if you have to, right? And uh, I say this all the time. And I'm sure people, if you've heard me speak before, probably get tired of it. I, I know my paralegals always kind of roll their eyes. But one of my favorite quotes that I apply to our industry is, you know, John F. Kennedy's quote about the time to fix the roof is not when it's raining, right? It, you've got to do this work beforehand because a lot of times in the immediacy of the moment, you may not have capacity to do that. We, you might not be able to get an estate planner to come in over the weekend when you're in the hospital at 2 a.m. You know, so these are the things that kind of keep you up at night, but having them beforehand is really helps us plan for the future. And especially to that elder care standpoint, we don't know what's going to happen to you. We may not, you may never go into a nursing home. God love you. That's great. But if you do, we've got
0: options. Yeah. And then like you, what you were referring to is, uh, I've I've had stated to me as like the five-year window, right? Where like you can, you can transfer your property into your kid's name but if it, if you pass with, you know, you go into hospice care within five years of that, they're going to look back and be like, nah, we're, we're, we still need paid. Correct. You might think you have it taken care of, but if sometimes you're depending on the state, right? If you protected yourself past five years and you're fine and things that can be possible and it can work, yeah, but true. it doesn't mean you're protected because there is still a five year window in there where you have your fingers crossed.
1: Exactly. No, and I tell people that, yeah, I mean, and there are certain, you know, being transparent as can be that there are certain situations where, yeah, that probably has worked, right? You, you know, you, you've, you've been able to game the system. But again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like going to Vegas or, or betting on the stock market. It's, it's never an assured thing. And certainly, you know, it's, um, it's control over your assets, too. When I'm talking to, you know, uh, family members or whatever about it, it's not often where people would want You know, it's an autonomy thing. It's an independence thing, especially for people who are getting older. They don't want to have to rely on their children as of yet. They may have an expectancy interest that, yeah, I I might need your help to tag in if something happens to me. But no, I want my assets to be where they are. You know, I want to be able to, you know, use them as I need to. I want to be able to go on that trip or I want to be able to, you know, uh, fix the roof if, <laughs> if if the insurance doesn't pay out or, you know, I want to be able to get a new car if I have to or a big expense comes along. So it's it's a, it's always a game, um, but it's one of those things that, you know, just from the overall view, you want to make sure that people understand their
0: options going forward before it's too late, if that makes sense. It very much does. So if if you let's kind of backtrack a little bit sure um a child going through the inheritance process yeah um you know this is very common with land where you've inherited a chunk of land what what are sorts of some some blanket areas like what do you need to do what's the and what's in and and what are the things to try to avoid and and i wanted i'm I'm thinking back to i wanted to ask you sort of you know how to set things up with siblings, but that's really the conversation between you and your tax, you know, like, or your estate planning attorney or whoever you work with, you know, that, that one on how you set things up with siblings, I was going to ask about that, but I think that that's more of an individual basis thing, but I guess the the more relevant one would be your inheriting lands. What, what are the first things that you need to do? Cause a lot of people, you know, dad, mom passes and you have, you have no idea what to do. Right. No, I think that's a great question. And I often ask my,
1: um, you know, uh, clients who, you know, maybe I'm helping them with a the probate or trust administration or something. I always tell them like, Hey, not to be the attorney in the room, but Hey, have you thought about your own estate planning? Right. You know, um, it, it, you know, it's hard for me and God love her. My wife is a, is a therapist. And so I always kind of bring that mental health aspect in the back of my mind of, you know, this is going to be the one time that this is going to be on your mind and it's in your face about your own mortality. So this is the time that you need to do your own planning. And so it never fails where somebody has just inherited either a lot of cash, land, what have you. And you know they may have had their own assets or whatever, but you, for a large majority of people, uh, you just inherited a good bit more than you had. So we, that's even more of a reason to plan now right? For the future. So I often tell people, this is time to establish a trust. This is time for you to, Hey, even if you have a will or trust or other documents, this is time to let's revisit those, right? It's like getting the oil change on your car. Um, you know, your, your estate plan is much like any other investment in your life. It's the reason you have your HVAC guy come out and, you know, make sure that everything's running right every year. It's the reason that, you know, uh, you have the tune-ups to your cars and stuff, same idea. And what I would tell people is, you know, to your sibling uh, comment, I will say that uh, every year I get more and more happy that I am an only child. Uh, I'll I'll leave it there. Um, but, you know, to the people that can't really control that, um, you know, it's important that, you know, I always tell people I'm not an estate litigator. I, I certainly see it a good bit, uh, unfortunately. Um, but even if you don't get along with your siblings and say you are in a position where you guys inherit land together or whatever. It's always easier to kind of get along rather than to go through maybe something like a partition proceeding, which is basically a, Hey judge, we're not getting along and I don't see this getting any better. So let's have a judicial forced sale Um, for any real estate agents and stuff out there. I always try to uh, preach the gospel of if you can get along to sell this property, it's going to be a lot less expensive, right? Unfortunately or fortunately, that works out sometimes. I have people that can't even sit in the same room with their siblings. Uh, You know, that's, as you said, that's, it's a touchy subject, but, you know, for those of you who get along with their siblings, or maybe it's just you and let's say it's an investment property or something, right? Well, maybe if mom and dad didn't have that protected in a certain way, maybe it's time for you to establish an LLC. Maybe it's time for you to set up some sort of business entity because, you know, if you have just inherited a property that's say, a rental property or it's going to be some other business property or something. Well, um, chances are, if it wasn't already connected to a business entity of some sort, well, you just also inherited some liability as well for, you know, the business or what have you. So it's important to make sure that you're checking with your insurance agent, right? Maybe it's time for you to look at an umbrella policy or something. Maybe it's time for you to up your insurance. Maybe it's time for you to, you know, again, uh, set up an LLC for that rental house or gosh, I mean, I've seen people inherit, you know, some apartment complexes or, um, you know, just a, a strip mall or, you know, something of that nature that, you know, uh, this is all new to you and you need to make sure that those, uh, as it pertains to you now, that those things are taken care of. Um, What I would say, and this is, I can already hear many real estate agents that may or may not be listening to this are going to applaud me or pat me on the back. Before you go sell or approach a realtor, you may want to make sure that title's clear uh, before, uh, you know, they get involved. uh, Because I, you know, Being an ex-real estate attorney, there's nothing worse than coming hat in hand to, you know, the uh, owner or their agent saying, hey, I know this is supposed to close in two weeks, but that's not going to happen. You know, we got to do some title resolution on this and, you know, deeds not clear, surveys off, something's up. Uh, Mom and dad told you they own this. Well, they only own half of it, you know, so. Right. Make (laughs) make sure you
0: own it, right? There's those handshake deals back in the day, like you got to make sure that what you own is really what you own. And, and not just that, like all of your conveyances are in line, right? Like to where you've handed things down and, and other people don't have a piece of the pie. You know, it
1: never fails that life, uh, life's stranger than fiction. And, uh, when I first moved to Greensboro, um, and bought a house, uh, how I met my next door neighbor, sweet couple love and death still some of our best friends how i met them was i did our survey for our my wife and i's house and lo and behold he was his fence line was encroaching about half a foot so i had to go over there and be like hey i need you to sign this easement agreement for me um good to meet you by the way so i mean these things happen to everybody and it's 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 um one of those things where uh in transactional law, these things do happen sometimes, right? And so oftentimes it's not the end of the world. It's very fixable, but it's, again, if you're on timelines for contract purposes or closings and stuff, obviously time is of the essence. And so it's always good to know problems before they start. So you can address those. Maybe never fails. Maybe uh, somebody has opened up an estate proceeding and they're trying to sell mom or dad's house. Well, just depending on who's involved and what the terms and conditions are of the will or whatever, you may need all of your siblings buy-in for that, right? Or in North Carolina, right? If you've inherited property and uh, that person's, if they're married, well, their spouse is going to have to sign off on that deed. Well, it's you got all these different uh, issues that, that come up. And again, if you, don't know these things. You don't know what you don't know. So that's even more reason to talk to somebody, a real estate attorney, a uh, estate planning
0: attorney that can help you guide through that. I love that you brought up the, the siblings getting along part, because I think that every person you can talk to has a horror story where people have inherited something, have to go through something with their siblings, and they don't get along with their siblings. And they fight so much that they do go to like like you said, they end up having a judge decide how to break things up and that gets really expensive or it's a long process or they can't divest of the property or they can't, if, if you're in that situation, sometimes it's best to just suck it up and like decide to get along for that point in time. Otherwise nobody wins. Every like, right. and, and I think maybe some with some siblings, that's the point is like, I don't like how this is going. So I'm just going to blow the whole thing up for everybody. I think there are those people out there, but it, it just makes you a pain <laughs> I mean, oh like, no no oh no <laughs> doubt
1: I, I tell people quite frankly um and i'm sure uh, some of my friends who are litigators are probably uh going to be uh bashing me or calling me after this but you know one of the things i always tell people is that you know i kind of came from uh, the mediation kind of adult uh, alternative dispute resolution background in the sense of uh, most people call it hug it out right um i just you know there's no sense in in spending you know money for those types of things and quite frankly not to wax philosophical about it but you know it's not about that painting it's not about that antique car that mom or dad wanted you to have. It's about somebody who pushed somebody in the sandbox, you know, 40 years ago and they just, now they have more money to fight about it. Right. Um, (laughs) it's, it it really is. And it's, it's sad to see that sort of thing. And of course, if, if you're not living it, it's, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's frustrating and, and, uh, you know, terrible for the family that's going through it, but not to make light of it, but it, it, when you put the numbers uh, what you can see spent on litigation of that th- sort of thing—it's always easier to play ball. It just is, but that's always—you know—it's easy for me to say that because I'm not on the easier other side. Of it. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You, you can. Uh, I. I. It's it's come up lately at, at work all the time, and it comes up all the time when I talk to people. It's like you can fix logistical problems, you cannot fix legal pro or not legal problems. I messed up my own quote, man. That's okay. Um, now, as you say, you can always fix logistical problems, but you can't fix people problems. People problems right. will always be people problems. And and you can, you know, it, it's just a thing where like personalities and egos and hurt feelings get involved and it, they don't even have to make sense. It just is. And, you know, it's a choice to set it aside um, and work together with things because it can be very challenging, especially with land. Land can be really ugly with that.
1: Yeah. And you're right. It's something about land. You know, the joke in the real estate world is always they're not making any more of it. But it's I think that people take that really to heart, too. And you know, I have I have, you know, this is my family's blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, that this is the last aspects of our generational kind of history. So it's a it's almost like that badge of honor that is even
0: worse. You know, or, And they go through with the sale, too. Like there, there's there's land sales where you have the landowner going to the prospective buyer and saying, well, what are you going to do with this? It's like, well, oh, right. Not right. really your business. Someone else right. is buying this now. You're handing this off. <laughs> right. And I always tell
1: people like, you know, in the real estate sector, when I was doing that, like, you know, you can condition certain things, but you know, they
0: can flat out probably lie to you as well. And so yeah, well, you know,
1: ch- changed economic conditions. Our plan didn't work out. We're going to do this. We're bulldozing the thing, you know? Yeah. So like, I'm not going to
0: bulldoze this 200 year old house that's falling down. No, wrong. no, no, yeah. no,
1: But no, I mean, I think, I think uh, you see that, like you said, more and more nowadays with a lot of more um, development, um, just that, you know, it, I don't think it's going to be a secret that hey, your your acreage is probably going to be a runway, or it's going to be a packing plant, or it's going to whatever it's going to be, um and you know uh, people are going to have to honor that when they when they put it on the market. Uh, I don't think there's yeah. going to be a historic preservation of of your family's history there.
0: Um. So as far as you know, a lot of what we talk about with inherited land or or stuff like that applies to the you know those who inherit it those who are handing it off what sort of risks are involved with people who are looking at land that they can protect themselves because you discussed you know especially the parts of you know making sure the title's good and making sure that the survey is good what are some things to do if you're looking at land to protect yourself against a possible situation where like because you don't know going in that you're looking at to, you're looking at buying a piece of land that maybe two siblings are fighting over And they haven't done proper title work. Yeah,
1: I used to, you know, um, uh, for a small time in Charlotte area, I used to represent uh, some investors and investing companies. And I I would always tell them, um, you're never going to waste money on a title search. And I used to emphasize that all the time. Um, as a matter of fact, I used to—I would refuse to work with any kind of investors that would not want title insurance. I'm not sure why in the world you'd want not want title insurance, but that—that that always was a huge red flag to me, right? Um, because obviously, anybody wants to make sure that whatever they're getting is insured that it is what they're purporting for it to be, right? It's the same boundaries you're paying for. It's the same address, same whatever. Um, I oftentimes, as much as possible, you know, before you can get under contract, have somebody do some due diligence for you. Um, you know, if you're buying something, say from a foreclosure sale, or if you're buying something, you know, at the courthouse steps, or um, even just on the market, it's never a bad idea to try to get. You know, uh, title searches are pretty inexpensive as those things go. You know, it might be a couple hundred bucks or even less, but it, it can save you from even getting interested in a in a property before, you know, you fall in love with it. I feel like sometimes people get in love with land before they even have the terms and that dictates the, the ride after that. But, you know, when I was talking to investors, I would always say, you know, be wary of that, be wary of, you know, and within a title search for those people that don't know what that is, that's somebody that's going through your records of, you know, the register of deeds or uh, land clerk, whatever your state calls it, and making sure that, you know, there's no judgments, that are attached to that land, uh, meaning that if somebody didn't pay credit card bills or whatever, those, you know, technically that land can be sold to pay those debts, uh, which is a concern in the estate world and just in general. Um, But the idea would be that, you know, that a title search probably is going to show you that, Maybe this person has been divorced, right? Or maybe they've had creditor issues in the past or, um, you know, tax liens, stuff of that nature. You want to make sure you have clean title or as clean as can be uh, before you kind of enter into a transaction. Because, you know, for instance, if you have a a situation where there's inherited property or something that, that comes up and there's, you know, I've seen at least 50 people on a deed before you know, uh, 50 heirs, you know, I mean, obviously those are situations that, sure, if the if the money spends, it spends, but that's going to be a mess of a closing, so you may have to factor in more closing costs or, you know, uh, I don't know any attorney, that, uh, real estate attorney that would do that on anything except hourly, that, that would just not make sense. Uh, but you know, those things to look out for before you get into it, and always getting a survey. Um, I used to mandate that if somebody didn't want a survey, they were going to have to sign a waiver for me uh, for liability purposes, just because as I told you my own story, uh, it, your, your, your land survey tells you what it is. And a lot of times, if you're looking at your local GIS, uh, your mapping systems or whatever online, uh, those, yeah, they're, the counties do as good of a job as they can with aerial stuff, but it's not going, those things are not surveys, you know? Um, as a matter of fact, if you ever, if you ha- whoever's listening to this, if you have some uh, old maps or surveys and stuff, I encourage you to go back and see how that looks compared to GIS. It's usually way different. Right. Um, but, you know, those a survey will show you what your boundary lines are. And if you're going to have any issues of people encroaching on your property, uh, maybe you, you find an issue of somebody's been had an easement or something on the property they have been using, uh, often, like you said, a handshake deal, a verbal deal, those things have to get dealt with, uh, you know, because uh, at least in North Carolina, you can get into some what we call adverse possession issues. Uh, some other states, uh, people like to think of those as squatters' rights. I was going to say those squatters' things. rights.
0: Some dude's been using
1: your property for one year. <laughs> yeah, years, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and, and, yeah. Those, and those things are, you know, kind of what the legal term is, you know, a cloud on title. And you know uh, your title insurance company, uh, at least in North Carolina, uh, they'll. I know not every state has a. uh, You know, some states have the escrow process, some some don't. What have you? But um, the idea is that I've always used the phrase that if the title insurance company's not happy, nobody's happy. You know, so it's not going to close unless you know you can acquiesce to what they're what they're having. So those are big issues that you see from you know the investor or purchasing side, and then certainly. you know, obviously the typical things that you'd see too, uh, you know, soil testing or anything of that nature, just to, for whatever your purposes are, you know, what you're going to build those types of things. But, um, if, you know, for, for definitely those people that are purchasing, you know, making sure of what you're buying as much as you can before you get under contract. Cause as you well know, once you get under contract, um, you know, some money's going to have to change hands usually to get
0: out of it for certain times. That is terrific advice. Um, I, 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 you know, I wanted to make sure I asked that from the buyer's side because you, yes. you know, I think you're free and clear if you go in as a buyer, like you're not, you have no. to you, know, you go through the process. I, I just got done. I, I kind of geek out sometimes and read some history stuff. And I just read some books that were written by Cicero, which is a, a guy who paled around with Julius Caesar. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, one of, he wrote these books when he was off in hiding, he, he made some people angry and he had to go off in hiding. And he wrote these books to his son. And one of them was almost completely about real estate transactions and inherited land and hiding titles and hiding defects of land when you sell it. it's like, so these have been problems for at least 2000 years with with people and trying to hand land off to other people. They're going to continue for the next 2000 years as long as we're here.
1: It's it's funny you say that I was uh, reading a book and uh, very much into the same things as as that. I've been reading a lot of stoicism and stuff like that lately. So, but I was reading an investment book. I can't remember the name of it, but there was a story in there talking about uh, same kind of thing in um, Africa in the 1990s, where a company went in and, um, as you might imagine, with different types of government systems and stuff there, and just uh, chains of title not being you know uh, record keeping that sort of thing. uh, A a two two large companies were vying to buy this area for. Uh, train and uh, access and and railroad access and stuff and. The larger company remained nameless. Uh, you know, was had all the you know assets in the world to kind of throw at this thing. That it was their baby; they really wanted. It kind of uh, hired a bunch of the local attorneys or whatever in Africa to kind of figure out the title. Meanwhile, the other company just went to every every five people that had purported to own it and purchased all of them out and saved all the money and then owned all the land too. So they said, "We don't really care if there's a cloud on site We're just going to buy everybody's cloud and make it." perfect and clean that way. (laughs) So I think about that a lot of way, um, you know, as far as hiding titles, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, as long as land has been around, it's, you know, it's outlived gold, it's outlived your cash accounts, your investments. So yeah, I can only imagine that that these problems have been around for centuries.
0: Right. Right. Well, Hey, um, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, Absolutely. I can imagine that this information is immensely helpful for most of the people that are going to listen to this. So um, on behalf of them, I want to let you know how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I know we've gone over a little bit here uh, as far as your your daily calendar. So I I want to make sure that I, I express my appreciation there, man. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, anytime, man. And I just appreciate it. It's uh, unfortunately, it's uh, you. You asked me all the questions of something I knew about. So thank that. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I try to do that. <laughs> this concludes episode number thirty-two of the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing how to protect your land inheritance with Justin Plummer from the law offices of Sherilyn David. His contact information can be found in the show notes. And if you are from North Carolina or Virginia. He is as solid as it gets for your estate planning needs. Now, you can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com. Um, okay, I'm sitting here with Justin Plummer. Justin is an estate planning specialist out of Greenville, uh, North South Carolina. I'm trying to say North Carolina. There's a lot of Carolinas out there, and I'm out west, so it's hard for me to get right. Now I've got to get everything wrong because you were referred to me by someone in Greenville. That's right. Yeah. And then yeah. You're in Greenville. There's too it's many. It's all, Greenville. I know, right? I know. Okay. Nathaniel okay. Green
1: didn't do any any favors for us in North Carolina.
0: <laughs> you no, know know let me start this over. I'm gonna do fine, a, intro, a proper intro with Greensboro, so I you're don't. You're fine,
1: have man. It. Hey, with a name like Justin, I can't tell you how many times it's John, Joe, it's a, something like that all the time. No worries. Oh,
0: try having Mac. It's Mac. <laughs> Mac in right. My, in my, right. My father-in-law called me Max for like the first three years my wife and I were together. That's great. That makes me. happy yeah. That's so. Cool. It was his dog's name. Um. All right. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I am sitting here with Justin Plummer out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Justin, tell me a little bit about it. it, I screwed that up again. Let me. All right, all right.